Mary. We are not even 10 seconds into recording Ooh. and Marilyn is here. Mary. Oh, Mary, I have a question for you. Oh, my, my. Yes, my darling. What can I answer for you? Ooh, why are you just such a mean girl? <gasps> why? Uh, uh, me? I'm, I'm the furthest thing from a mean girl, ma'am. I heard what you said about me in the bathroom. <gasps> I was hiding in this shelf. Were you fondling yourself or Aaron Samuels? He was there, but he couldn't find it. And he was just pushing his hair back. His hair does look sexy pushed back. I know it makes me c- <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let's get it going. It'll be so fetch. Let's take this thing from the top. From the top. A five, six, seven. Tonight, tonight there's room for anything. Ladies and gentlemen, and those who have yet to decide, welcome to another episode of From the Top, your favorite musical theater cast and review. Oh man, I want to sing I'd Rather Be Me and insert my name into it so bad, but I don't know. My, my name is Mary. So I don't know. Right? Yeah, sure. I'm not. Uh, let's see. And uh, my name is Steven, and I am a massive deal. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, welcome back. This is this is a cacophony of f***ery, but it's such beautiful f***ery. This is our bonus episode of the season. We have finished our season about death. If you have not listened to it, oh my God, you have missed out on so many things. You have to go back and you have to listen to it. But this, this episode is very much just going to be a little salve for my soul, I feel, because this movie is something that Steven and I bonded over so quickly. We quote it to each other constantly. It's a beautiful thing. Tonight, we are discussing Mean Girls, the musical. It's a cautionary tale of fear and lust and pride based on actual where people died No one died But how far would you go To be popular and hot Would you resist temptation No you would not Just admit it Sometimes mean is what you are Mean is easier than nice And the mean can take you far Maybe this will make you think twice Kick, This is a cautionary How formative of a movie is this for your teenage years? Like, seriously. I mean... As, as hardcore, right smack dab in the middle millennials, we are like, not in millenni hell, we're in millenni heaven. That's all I'm saying <laughs> with this show. Because I know for me, I, like, I was quoting this mid-high school with all my theater geek friends. Oh, absolutely. I mean, all of the I mean, all of the buzz phrases on Wednesdays we were pink, you can't sit with us. Um he uh he, that's Damien, he's too gay to function. Like there's Danny DeVito, I love you. Yes. I mean was it You go Glen Coco. Yes. And none for Gretchen <laughs> Wieners by like There was, I mean, to the point that like I had a supervisor at one of the old jobs that I worked at that he and I would do nothing but quote it to each other. And like he would just come in my office and he would be wanting to ask me like a legitimate question. And then he would go, oh, my God, I love that bracelet. Where did you get it? Like, oh, my God, (laughs) I will keep you here until four. (laughs) 
<laughs> chlamydia and die. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, now here, take some I, rubbers. I, flop, flop. Yeah, like. <laughs> totally. I, seriously, this is this this show is just like in our soul. So Truly. I'm very interested to know what you feel. A synopsis is three sentences <laughs> or less, Miss Mary. Oh, see, here I was prepared for all of the other, for the last five in the gauntlet. And then this one, I was like, I know this show. I'm just not going to write anything down because why not? So, all right. My three sentence synopsis of Mean Girls is the coming of age story of a young girl named Katie who has spent the majority of her life in a situation where she didn't have friends, didn't know what it was like to kind of really be socialized and just kind of was sheltered from the realness of being a teenager. Once she is introduced into a public high school, she realizes that there are certain things in girl world that you need to do in order to truly get by like every girl does, when we get too much of a good thing, we go overboard and it takes real friends to call you on your bullshit and to bring you back to who you truly are. I question so hard every time I go back and watch anything Mean Girls now, um, having thoroughly digested the original movie, redigested, and then puked it up to digest it again, <laughs> then having watched this, you know, musical. And then, of course, in this last week or so, gone to the premiere of the Mean Girls movie musical. Yay. I Like, it just takes me back. And I question, was this life? Was this life in high school? And I think it was. I think especially for our generation, <laughs> It, it was. We were the, the click-tastic generation. Yeah. You know, whether that's still around, I, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I know it was when I was there. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, speaking from the perspective of somebody who went to a private high school where we didn't have, you know, half of the things that people in public high schools deal with, you still had things like cliques and popular people and what it takes to fit in. But now it's fitting in on like an emotional and a personality level versus like a like a service level. Because like, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the joke is they're shiny plastics, you know, they, they look different than everyone else. When you go to a private high school where everybody looks the same you now have to set yourself apart in a very different way Ooh. so you're never immune to it regardless of where you go we'll dive into it i some. like it let's go but yeah overall plot of mean girls we have our main character miss katie heron she has uh grown up with her parents in africa uh where most of her friends are animals uh <laughs> in in the i was about to say the sahara that's wrong in the Serengeti wildlands. And <laughs> one day uh, the parents decide that it's wrong for them to be doing this to their daughter. They're going to take her back to the States and plop her into a different kind of jungle high school. Thus, our main character is thrust into a very difficult setting of its own right where it's no longer about staying alive by not getting eaten. It's staying alive by not getting beaten. Oh my so, god, I know. Yeah, so every every click she's uh, introduced to and then the shiny plastics mm. where she, with her ragtag bunch of friends that she's met along the way and Damien <laughs> and Janice and let's just say hilarity ensues when 
uh, vendettas are drawn and uh, burn books are made. So yes. it's, a, it's a wild ride through a girl's tale of high school and what it takes to fit in. It's a very recent feeling, but it's running through my body and it roars. Binti, we've lost our funding. We're going to have to go back to the U.S. Maybe I could meet an obese person. It's going to be a difficult adjustment. You'll have to go to a real school. Mom, I would love that. Let's all try something new. We live in a tent. Adventure's what we do. I got no time to cry. I got new things to try. Like high school and skateboard and rapping and Starbucks venti chai. Okay, I gotta know. Did you have a burn book or a version of a burn book? I didn't have a version of a burn book. No. I mean, when we were behind closed doors with my click, there was a verbal burn book. <laughs> Don't ever put it in writing because then that's how you get got. Exactly. <laughs> Is that that's the takeaway from this show is don't put it in writing. Otherwise you get got. I mean, I never had a burn book per se, but I mean, of course, every girl like had a diary. And so like that was the scary pit was like you never wanted somebody to find your diary because you wrote like all of the things down. Yeah, you didn't want anybody stumbling upon that just randomly. Speaking of writing stuff down on a list, how about we give ourselves a cast list? Oh, yes, I'd be I'd be happy to give you a cast list so I don't have to go to the most reputable site on the internet for this one. I'm thrilled about that. However, here's what I find funny. Uh, going to my favorite website, mtishows.com, when I go click on the full version of Mean Girls, it doesn't give me a character breakdown. But when I select the high school version of Mean Girls, it gives me a character breakdown. So we're just, we're just going to roll with it because I'm pretty sure the characters don't change. Um, so this does say that your cast size is medium 11 to 20 performers. It is an ensemble type cast and there are standard dance requirements. Um, as we'll talk about there, I mean, there, I don't think they're like terribly complex dance numbers, but they are dance numbers nonetheless. So you should be able to know your left from your right foot and be able to move them as such. I would say so. I, th I mean, I think you can take these up to whatever you would need them to be or take them down to whatever you would need them to be. True. There is a tap number in this show, which makes that a little more difficult, but I would say you don't <laughs> need it to be a tap number. Damien led tap number. Just, oh my, absolutely just incredibly amazing. So we're going to start with our title character. We will start with Katie Heron. Katie Heron is a new junior at North Shore High School. Katie grew up in Africa and was homeschooled by her wildlife biologist parents. She is warm, bright, and strong enough to take on the plastics. She is the emotional heart of our story, which I would absolutely agree with. Actually, I think she's one of the emotional hearts of the story because as we find out, you know, Regina kind of has a redemption arc and, um, you know, there are a couple other people who kind of like come into their own, but I mean, yeah, I would say that hers is probably the most prominent thing that we follow. Following behind Katie, we have Regina George. Regina is the queen bee of the plastics. When she shines her light on you, you feel like the most important person in the world. When that light goes cold, you want to die. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, MTI. I'm okay. Wow. <laughs> she is regal, still, and quote, hot, but at her most vulnerable moments, she is just a kid in over her head. Huh. I mean, at her core, she's an insecure child, so I guess I agree. It feels very uh, Heather Chandler in that way, kind of, too, I feel, a little bit. Well, I, I, there's no way in hell we're not going to be comparing Heathers to Mean Girls oh. in this entire episode. Oh. Where do 
you belong? Where do you belong? You'll be judged on sight and made to fit. So find a click and stick with it. Say, where do you belong? Let's take a walk around the cafeteria, shall we? I'll show you the world as I see it. Varsity jocks and JV jocks will throw you in a locker if you say hello. The rich stoners hate the gangsta whites, though they're all smoking the same oregano. Here's the sexually active band geeks. I got two words for you, embouchure and ooh. And if you like blowing and fingering, this is the group for you. Back me up, show choir. We have Janice Ian. Janice Ian, and uh, a quote art freak and social outcast, Janice is not afraid to be weird or make others uncomfortable. She paints herself as an objective observer, but like so many of us, she longs to avenge the devastating events of eighth grade. <laughs> I don't know if I want to avenge the the um, devastating events of eighth grade. I mean, in her case, probably. But I mean, nothing, nothing drastic happened to me in eighth grade. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's just such a good storyline that they've given. It really her, is. And good. It's quite wonderful. Janice's uh, partner in crime is Damien. Damien is an outgoing and active member of the student activities committee. Damien is a fiercely loyal friend to Janice and they have the close rapport of a comedy team. Oh God, Damien, he's too gay to function. What? That's only okay when I say it. <laughs> God, I would play Janice in a New York minute. I will talk about it. Um, following behind Damien, we have Gretchen Wieners. Gretchen Wieners is one of the plastics. Desperate to please Regina and to maintain her position in the plastics, Gretchen is a nervous wreck. She is a, quote, banker, meaning she befriends people to bank their secrets so she can trade them later for her own benefit. Her fragility at times is heartbreaking. Right? Yeah. She's super subservient to her uh, master and just uses that to feel better about herself. Uh, Sends her into s- spirals when she doesn't get sent candy canes. Oh my and God. And Coco gets four. Oh my God. You go, Glenn Coco. Next, we have Karen. Karen is one of the plastics. Although her intellect and personality never had a chance to develop, Karen is essentially kind, relaxed, and a generous laugher. What? <laughs> So I think because this is the high school version, they don't just want to say she's dumber than a box of hair. Oh, yeah. And she's got big tits and is dumber than a box of hair. Yeah. Okay. I think, sure. that's, I think that's where we're at. Yeah. She's yeah, sure. the queen bee. She's always dressed up. She always wins spring fling queen. Or just drones who work for her. Then die. My name is Regina George. And I am a massive deal Fear me, love me, stand and stare at me And these, these are real Yes, Regina, no, Regina Every waking hour I spend making sure Regina George can stay in power If Regina is the sun Then I'm a disco ball Cause I'm just as bright and fun If you've had alcohol Shiny, 
My teeth are perfect. My skirt is tiny. It barely covers my perky hiney. That's it. Well, then let's go to Aaron Samuels, who is the love interest of both Regina George and Katie Heron, a cute boy with a good moral compass and a backbone. He's not immune to all the female attention he gets, but he's not going to let himself be a pawn in their chess game either. So he needs to be a, uh, it says a Broadway and pop tenor. Interesting. For his for his tiny, stupid little song that he gets to sing? Yeah. Cute. Okay, yeah, fine. Cute. Um, it didn't say anything about him always needing a pencil and that his hair looks sexy pushed back, so yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, and mm-hmm. on, on October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. Gruel. Yeah, gruel. So next, it looks like we're going to go to um, what looks like a triple casting um, of Mrs. George, Regina's mom, Miss Norbury, the calculus teacher, and Mrs. Heron, Katie's mom. Yes, I do believe that's the typical casting. So, oh, yes. fabulous. Okay. Um, I mean, that would stand to reason because you don't need three people doing micro parts. You can have one do all the things because they're not on stage at the same time. Um, Mrs. Heron is Katie's intellectual mom who can't understand why her daughter is developing before her eyes. Miss Norbury is Katie's world-weary calculus teacher who pushes Katie to be her smartest self. Such a pusher. I'm a pusher, Katie. Uh, Mrs. George is Regina's, quote, cool mom. She's desperate to look young and feel like one of the teens. She's also desperate for Regina not to repeat her mistakes. Great singer distinctly defines these three characters, eclectic Broadway vocal mix. Aging ingenue. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, come on, guys. What are we doing? It's an A. Let's go. Um, Jesus. Uh, next up, we have Mr. Duval. Mr. Duval is the principal of North Shore High School. Mr. Duval may have once taught computers at Joliet Penitentiary, but nothing prepared him for the harsh realities of out-of-control junior girls. Funny and a strong singer. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> I did not leave the South Side for this. Um, and then lastly, we have Kevin G. Kevin is the extremely driven captain of the North Shore Mathletes. He is a confident student and a decent rapper. Oh, <laughs> Kevin G. <laughs> All right, that's enough. <laughs> so good. Oh, my goodness. Well, that is your call sheet for Mean Girls. We never really do this, but how'd you like to have lunch with us this week? Oh, it's okay. No, no need for you to thank us. But there's no need to even speak. You're new and you don't know things. You need good friends who can tell you what to think. See you here same time tomorrow. On Wednesdays we wear pink. On Wednesdays we wear pink. Here's what's funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I didn't think it would be this chill of a history with me with this. I thought this is one of those that I would super deep dive and really get into like all the weeds with and like super go down into like Mariana's trench and sure. to the spot where the mega, mega, mega sharks live and the things that will eventually rise up and kill us. Yeah, But I did not. There's not a lot with this show. Oh, dang. Okay. And when I was trying to be like, well, since there's not a lot, what else can I talk about? Do we just talk about girls hating on each other since the beginning of time? 
I mean, girls hating on each other. And I went, no, I don't. I don't want that. I think that's just a fact we all know. I, I, I just went, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. So we're going to keep it a little simple today. <gasps> I like it. Let's go. From the beginning. That will bring us back to I do feel like I'm back in high school again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like your muffin buttered? Would you like us to assign someone to butter your muffin? Mm, you can go shave your back now. Bye, Jason. Jason. You're such a skis. <laughs> Love it. So, the from the beginning is of this is super simple. So, a woman by the name of Rosalind Weissman released a book in 2002 called Queen Bees and Wannabes. Oh, cute. Uh, the sort of subtitle to all of that is helping your daughter survive clicks, gossip, boyfriends, and other realities of girl world. Oh, love it. Okay. This book isn't really a storybook. Like it's not a story. It's more of like a guided self-help book. Okay. And it's actually more targeted to mothers for their daughters, but daughters can read it too. Interesting. So it's this really weird combination of uh, real facts and situations and uh, things that are happening to teen girls at this time. And Rosalind Weissman simply compiled them into a sort of chicken soup for the soul help self-help book i was just about to say that sounds so familiar all right i like it yeah um but weissman's history is actually super different after graduating college uh she had actually began teaching martial arts to young women oh damn Uh, okay yeah after hearing the young girls uh sort of talk about their social issues that they were facing and then watching them become empowered through martial arts, she was inspired to sort of begin working on this girl leadership empowerment type book. Sure. And really wanted to focus her time and energy on this. And then, funny enough, I had actually no clue this existed. Uh, she has a second book, Masterminds and Wingmen. Helping our boys cope with schoolyard power, locker room tests, girlfriends, and the new rules of boy world. No way. That's yeah. awesome. All right. I want, that. I want that movie. That's all I'm saying. Let's I go. I what that looks like. Hell yeah. Really, this was targeted to mothers. I, I re- was reading an interview that she had given uh, a local magazine. Kept going on about how, like, what, you know, what inspired you? What made you want to do this? And she tells this story. But then she goes into, uh, after some of the questions are asked, like, who's worse? Like, the mothers or daughters? And she goes, oh, the moms. Oh so dang! It's it's like with the the information given by the daughters are then passed to the mothers, who then place the judgment and ruling that you cannot hang out with these people anymore because of said actions that have been done. Mm-hmm. And how are we to judge these young women in such emotional, hormone-charged states when they're still developing and growing, when we need to be the example, and yet this is how we're acting and we're treating other women? And then, in turn, comparing our child to other children in front of our children. So it's Mm -mm. creating this, like, vacuum of... 
sort of like constant competition and mental mind games and who's saying what about who. Mm -hmm. So it all starts at home with moms. And that's what Rosalind Weissman was really trying to convey in this book. So it's funny now from the product that we get, it's, girl world that we're dropped into so we get to see this all play out based upon the themes and interactions and situations that this book had given it was one of the things that i going to like the source film that i remember kind of the most like when they're all in the gymnasium and they're having this huge like assembly with all of the girls and then you know like um miss norbury is asking all of these questions and the adult women are putting their hands up hands up because Because it is absolutely a real thing. And now being being an adult woman, like looking at that going, oh, my God, I get it. It's just unfortunately, I can see where like it is, you know, like all the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. Like moms are trying to like talk up their kids and they're trying to praise their kids and like do a bunch of things. But when you do that and you actively compare your children to other children or pit them against each other because, you know, of like whatever, like that causes a lot of damage that I don't think people actually recognize. And that unfortunately is why girl world kind of exists is, I mean, like I'm the first person here to say for the last like three weeks, I have been suffering from girl brain and my girl brain is mean. Like imagine Regina George, but turn that shit up to like a hundred like she is the nastiest person because unfortunately like my mom would do that like she would you know talk bad about me in front of other people or she would like she would give like show my shortcomings in front of other people and it's just like you know I get commiserating with other parents but like don't do it when your kids are in the room like mm. going into let's talk about the skeezy jasons of the world where they do something or they get reprimanded and then stuff is spread about them it's not held to the same standard because boys will be boys Mm -hmm. right no so so, but the girls are then suddenly held to this different type of standard and you know raked across the coals and you know forever marked with that scarlet letter so to speak or whatever it may be in all of this research and things and you know interviews that Rosalind would do so many times teenage boys would come up and it was surprising to her that actually boys are going through the same thing and they're dealing with it in the way that we have been trained to deal with it which is to not deal with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) seriously though I, I just thought some of that was really interesting and a few good points to bring up because it really yeah. sort of frames how this film 
now musical, now movie musical came to be in its uh, truest form. Oh, that's so cool. And then just really quick getting into how, of course, Tina Fey, maker of Mean Girls, producer of Mean Girls, then uh, turned it into a musical for the Broadway stage. Um, She herself was a female sort of breaking barriers in, in a performance world totally she has a theater degree but is mostly known for her improv skills but she did study script writing as well while she was in college and uh she says something funny to be like i finally get to use it (laughs) (laughs) This also, you know, sort of sets the stage for Tina Fey looking for something sort of to sink her teeth into as a woman in comedy and sort of set her place in all of it and not just be another one of those comedy girls that, you know, get placed in with the guys now and then. She wanted her own way and her own path. So she was looking for the right thing to do. And this female empowerment sort of book really really uh caught her attention and then once mean girls the film was made and out and huge success um her husband uh, jeff richmond who is actually the composer of mean girls the musical oh cute he said to her after the success of the film you know, I think this really could be a musical. The movie appears to be uh, just a high school comedy. And then at its source, it strikes a chord with people. So this is like the perfect sort of recipe with the perfect set of characters. Mm-hmm. Like he saw it. He saw the writing in the stone. So, you know, that's not the, that f- that's not the, f- thing. <laughs> the writing on the wall, the writing on the wall. I mean, I like the writing in the stone, <laughs> writing the stone. It's like a commandment. You must, you must do it. Then uh, Tina Fey also in an interview had said, people not only remember the pain of being excluded in high school or the embarrassment of behaving that way themselves, they carry those feelings into their adult lives. So that's why you and I are still quoting Mean Girls because we still feel this, Uh, you know. Absolutely. And then she goes on to say, with musicals, you think, do the emotions of the story run deep enough for it to make sense that people are singing? She says, I think the answer here is yes, because it strikes us all at that deepest core. And what what do we say in musicals when you can no longer put into words how you're feeling or there are no words for how you're feeling? You sing. W- words fail, words fail. <laughs> and though Janice is great, she does not have this power. People literally cower. Janice can't do that. See us mark our territory as I follow in her train. I was victim. film debuted in 2004 and then uh this mm, uh broadway stage musical debuted october 31st 2017 and of course this movie musical just came out january 2024 i love everything about that well if we're talking about things releasing we we have no better segue than to uh 
Oh God, there's not really a good dance move for this because it's not like, you know, it's not like Fosse. Um, we're just going to have to, you know, make like, you know, a pack of hyenas and we're going to have to run right into a critic's review. All right, so tonight's review does come courtesy of Variety.com. This is the DC pre-Broadway review of Mean Girls, the musical, published on November 19th of 2017. The plastics are back with a vengeance. It's been 13 years since the release of the Tina Fey scripted film Mean Girls, the cult classic that introduced Pink Wednesdays and Fetch to the teenage lexicon. Fey and company have reprised the snarky mayhem of North Shore High School with a delightful and energetic tuner packed with strong performances, engaging numbers, and eye-popping visuals. In its DC tryout prior to a scheduled April 8th opening at Broadway's August Wilson Theater, the wacky assemblage of cool and nerdy kids now live on their cell phones, naturally. But little else has changed from the 2004 pick that featured Lindsay Lohan as the impressionable new student, Katie Heron, fresh off the African plains. Well, that, I mean, of course, like, there are many things that this goes, I mean, the, the review goes on to talk about, like, very specific, like, you know, characters and actors who are in these roles. It talks about Carrie Butler was Miss Norbury. I mean, come on. Like, who doesn't love a good, so good. Carrie Butler cameo? Let's go. Um, it, I mean, it talks about things like the set design and, and the um, the musical score and, I mean, just so many beautiful things. That set was not revolutionary, but it was very stripped down because they used projection. Yes. Which was sort of not a new thing. No. But it was a new idea, I think, that was coming on to the Broadway stage uh, more so. Um, and I know that different productions of Hairspray had been starting to do this, especially sure. in uh, like the uh, Australia, I think, of all places, had started this entire LED stage where it was just led backgrounds and i think that sort of brought something to the forefront <laughs> of stage crafters minds going oh that's interesting let's start playing with led sets and that's uh pretty much what this was on mean girls it was like a light projection led set and it was kind of cool it was really neat because the way that like the like you could paint a different scene just by changing the screen but then also some of the things like they would go into the floor and come back out again and like so you could physically transform the set but then you could also do it with the click of a button which i think is like I don't know. That that was wildly, wildly entertaining to me. I know. It's probably a nice way to save on some budget because you just got to pay for some LED screens. But mm -hmm. is it also just a shortcut? Is it lazy? I don't know.
I did it. How do you think this story overall trans translated to stage from this movie? I thought it actually did fairly well. There were, um, I had mentioned to the Phantom because he came in while I was um, watching it, that there are some moments that actually get a little bit more kind of air to breathe in the stage version than they do in the film. And it really, it gives me a little bit more context for character development. The scene that comes to mind in particular is at the house party when, you know, in the film, we've got Katie who comes out in this, you know, f- this feck you dress, right? And she's oh, yeah. very much like intoxicated. And so she sees Aaron looking at all of her stuff and tries to, you know, get him on the bed and is hitting on him. And then and you hear the inner monologue go, oh no, it's word vomit. Wait, it's actual vomit. And then she throws up on him, runs out after him. And then that's when Janice shows up um, with uh, Damien. And so that scene is so condensed because, you know, obviously we've got this moment where we're, Katie has legitimately thrown up on the boy that she likes and she's trying to like redeem this whole thing. In the musical, we get this moment where, like, we understand that Katie is drunk, but when she comes into the room, I mean, she's obviously looking, she knows that Aaron's up there. So then they have this beautiful moment, though, where she actually goes, you know, I used to be surrounded by stars, and I only had one friend, and I had, you know, or I had no friends. Like, I just had animals, and I had my parents, and, but now I have all these people that know my name, and I have all of these, you know, like, I have more. More is always better. And then Aaron's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's right. And then we get the nod to, you know, I'm I'm actually really good at math. You're kind of bad at math. He's like, why would you dumb yourself down to talk to me? And all I could scream out was, that fails a Bechdel test. I'm like, <laughs> it was very funny. But, but yeah, I mean, moments like that where we get to see a little bit more of Katie actually be vulnerable around Aaron and not just try to like, you know... Um, entice him with you know being in a sexy dress like it was her going oh wow I used to really I used to really be alone and now that I'm surrounded by so many people I kind of want to be alone again but you know and it was it was beautiful there were beautiful moments like that that I just really appreciated I'll sort of speak on the opposite side of that because I think sometimes it just didn't go well there were moments for me it just everything fell flat or it felt discombobulated because of course again like we talk about transitioning one thing from one medium to another. So we have to give it certain levels of grace and what it's able to do. Sure. We had this conversation uh, from Beetlejuice where the um, Deo scene, there's no way to zoom in on a stage and really place yourself on that table mm-hmm. and feel like you're part of this like musical number of shrimp cocktail pulling your face <laughs> a lot of times like in these cafeteria scenes that are supposed to be somewhat intimate because you're at the plastics table but you have an entire stage to fill so how does that translate and how does that register some things felt overly done because you had to do it to fill a space sometimes i think it felt over over um overacted quite frankly Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the performer's fault it's what the scene called for and there's no way around it because that's the kind of awkwardness of the scene 
Yeah, I I don't know. The the way that we almost tried to translate, not beat for beat, but we got pretty close from mm-hmm. the film into the stage version. But th- yeah, there are some times where like, uh, when I one of the moments too that was interesting for me was like you know in the movie we uh, you know it's um, uh, Shane Omen who reveals to Regina that she is eating calteen bars that make her gain weight and like you know of course Shane Omen would know that because he is a jock so of course jocks would know that it didn't make any sense to me that Regina's mother would know that calteen bars make you gain weight. Like, I don't, I mean, it was moments like that where I'm just like, um, why did we do that? Like for what, so, so Regina's mom could have this moment of singing about how I wish my daughter would, you know, come back to me. And like, I wish that she just didn't hate me. Like, I mean, okay. Like I get why we did that, but I just, I don't know. Sometimes. Yeah. It didn't just, it didn't make sense. Sometimes movie musical did fix this exactly what you're talking about they actually still let regina's mom tell her that O'Keltine bars but they give her a legitimate reason to know why and of course it's eluding me at the moment but they gave her like a legitimate oh yeah no when i was like visiting da 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 and this is what they would give like the, the people who needed you know sustenance or whatever mm-hmm. and like they at least gave a reason it wasn't just like oh regina no these like you know make you gain weight which was always a little off but they they did fix this so good call good good eye Next, we take away Regina's only achievement, being a hot person. What is that? Ugh, I'm so fat and disgusting. I use these calteen diet bars when I need to lose weight. I need to lose three pounds. Bring me a whole bag. go harder if we make Gretchen Wieners think Regina is mad at her. I won't do that. Gretchen is fragile. Exactly. And if we crack her open, she'll spill something we can use. Shh. Here she comes. Stop pulling it down. Your hair looks sexy. Push back. Katie, will you please tell him his hair looks sexy. Push back. Your hair looks sexy. Push back. Uh, thanks. Uh, let's Cal- take it uh, a few like bullet points of like different scenes and let's see how you sure. felt about it. Some of the pinnacle moments so how about the bedroom scene uh where we get introduced to the burn book this just felt like look at me i'm sandra d oh absolutely yes i mean i guess yeah look at me i'm sandra d is about the closest thing i can think of because like i actually appreciated the film rendition of this more than i did the musical it felt like a group of girls going oh my god i remember this and but it but the fact that mom is the one that found it in the back of her closet, I, just, I don't know. Yeah. It was a little yeah. weird. The The film gives me more petty and almost yeah. more huh, huh, catty. Feel huh, more huh. catty to, to some extent. And I think that that's where maybe some of this musical fails for me is there's there's a layer of 
is it danger that I'm missing? Stakes? Like stranger, yeah. Stranger, stranger danger, because you're in some completely new place, a new house. But maybe that's just just because we're so familiar with it. Like, we already know what's going to happen. Yeah. I just wanted your take on how the bedroom scene felt to you and if it worked or didn't work. Like, let's compare it. Do you like the film version better or the musical version better? I think I like the film version better only because the musical version didn't, to me, it didn't feel like in the musical she understood the, the task at hand that she was doing, that she's spying on the plastic right in the film version you can kind of it kind of feels a little bit like she's uncomfortable because she's like um i've never had girlfriends and then she watches all of them in the mirror like talking about how shitty their bodies are and then she goes i have really bad breath in the morning desperately trying to like you know like fit in with what they're doing and the musical just felt very much like ah yes this is the natural progression of where i should be i should be here with these girls doing this thing and there yeah. just wasn't that level of relatability in the awkward category. I think it's a bed, uh, bedroom scene in the film for me as well. Yeah. Okay, how about the montage of Regina's destruction? The the revenge party that Janice is so desperately crafting oh, against Regina. Man, I... I personally think it translated really well. The only thing I was missing was the boob cutouts. <laughs> What I find interesting about this is I think it it translated well because we are taking things that were in a film that we have the luxury of being able to kind of overlay different things and we get to go in a very particular sequence and we get to like mess with time as it were, right? Because we get to see each one of these things happen yes. and we know that there are sometimes months that go on between these things. Right. and. You know, so I think that in order for them to tell, to give it the same weight, I think it did well. Um, as a random aside, though, I'm just going to say when Katie shows up to the Halloween party where this whole thing starts <laughs> with the teeth that she has in her mouth. Oh, my God. I mean, like, the it was just all gums and no teeth. I'm like, what? Right. What is happening? Yeah. Speaking of, let's talk about how the fact that Katie had to transform herself costume-wise on stage, like, five times. Oh, my stage. God. Oh, yeah. Like, she didn't get to leave, so she had to. they had to figure out fun ways for her to switch costumes on Jesus stage. Jesus Christ. It's pretty good. It was, I mean, it, it's a very Diana thing to do where you're just changing oh. dresses. Just. Oh, it was pretty, pretty girl in a pretty, pretty, pretty dress. dress. Oh, <laughs> so good. But yeah, I agree with you that it tra it did translate well. Um, I think I still prefer the film version because we've got, we it gives it more weight to when, you know, we're trying to cause her destruction and then we see it just paying off. And so then Katie is getting more and more frustrated because it's not happening. I don't think, I mean, obviously in the musical, you don't have the luxury of being able to do that. Um, so I think it's still the film version of that montage for me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm actually going to call it equal. I don't, oh, sure. I don't find necessarily flaw in anything that they did. And as far as montages in shows go for me, I think it was pretty accurate and well done. So, I mean, that's where I'll go with it. I'll go equal. Sure. Not what is better. Party now. One candy cane, please. A Shane Omen. She has everything. And one for Caddy Harris. She gets everything. For 
for Glen Coco. You go, Glen Coco. And none for Gretchen Wieners. Bye. Who sent that? Oh, it's from... Regina, Regina, Regina. Thanks for being such a great best friend. <laughs> I mean, cute. I mean, give me it. I mean, okay. Well, if you and Regina are best friends now, you can be in charge of keeping all her secrets. For example, she bought you those high heel shoes just to make fun of you because she knew you wouldn't be able to walk in them. And she's not really blonde. Her natural color is dark blonde. Also, she totally cheats on Aaron. Every Thursday, she says she has SAT prep, but really, she's hooking up with Shane Omen in the North Shore Lions costume. She makes him wear the costume? No! They're both in the costume! And I never told anyone because I am such a good friend. How about uh, the talent show? <laughs> So I found it sort of short. It was too short. On stage. It was too short. The only thing I really kind of remember, I don't I don't know why the only thing that sticks out to me is Regina yelling about the fact that she needs a safety pin because her costume doesn't fit. And that Karen is like, I'm going for a new look when Katie's like, um, I can see your bra strap. And she's like, Yeah, I know. I'm going for a new look. That was the whole thing. And like I don't know. I, the the talent show of it for me is one of the pinnacle moments because it's really one of Katie's kind of like moments of like acceptance into the plastics where, you know, she's doing this really pinnacle thing. And it's the moment where she goes, ah, we're going to get this is how we get Gretchen. Right. And it, yes. you know, so I think it, yeah, it, it was too short and didn't have enough weight. And I'm trying not to be like totally biased towards the film because like we've watched it so many 100. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I just, yeah, I'm feeling like they're, again, you don't have the luxury of time when you're trying to pack everything into two hours, you know? Yeah. And here, here's where it failed for me, but here, this is why I love the stage version maybe more because the, of the outcome. Now I hate the stage version because uh, rocking around the pole. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Was, was about 10 seconds Yeah, and it gave me none of the Easter eggs that I needed. No. Then all of a sudden Regina's skirt falls off and that's the thing that's there. Now where they horrifically succeeded was they contemporized it to use social media mm -hmm. as the thing that spurned her. That was, you know, the talk of the town and memeing her butt, you know, on stage from the fallen yep. uh, skirt and all of that stuff. And then that's also how we learn that people are finding Katie kind of a badass because mm -hmm. she kept dancing and she just kept going and look at her. She was really cool. And that's how Katie sort of gets some social clout. And that's not really done in the film, except I think one of those little montage moments of someone who like Katie looked really good or mm -hmm. something. And so that's where I give the stage version more credit is because it built the story better. And I think the movie could have helped, helped itself a little bit in that, that the public mindset was already shifting at that moment. See, I feel like if movie musical version aside, right, excluding this brand new iteration of this, if they were to just re 
revamp the 2004 film straight up film to film, I feel like they would add more of the social media aspect because it is so prevalent now. In 2004, I mean, yeah, we had things like you know, uh, MySpace and Twitter, I think, and Facebook was just starting to be a thing. So like we still had social media platforms, but like they weren't, I mean, everyone thought it was kind of a joke. It was just a fad. It was going to pass. Well, and everybody had flip phones and nobody had access to the internet on their phones. Cause if God forbid you click the internet on your phone, your parents would murder you because it cost way too much money. I feel like that was a really appropriate change to add so much social media to it. And I think truly that, that was the reason why the LED screens were so smart is because everybody's on their phones now and everything is a screen. So of course, why wouldn't we talk about a high school, you know, story using screens? It's exactly what we would do. Speaking of like modernizations of it, pretty much this new musical version is like a TikTok reel. Oh, is it really? (laughs) Every, every aside that they had in in the film version Mm -hmm. is now like a like a panoramic insided to a TikTok on a nine by 16. Oh my God. And everyone's just talking into their TikToks and like, oh, this is what Regina did today. And oh, and everyone's talking about stuff. So it's really smart that this is how they went with it for the new generation. Sure. And it, it, it no notes, like it was great. I thought you would cave, but you stood up to her. You were strong, you were brave. No, you know what you were. You were fetch, so fetch. sort of a narrator situation. I, I think it's the right move uh, as a stage play. I'm I'm so on the fence about it though. What I kind of think? loved it. I loved it because like I feel like in this because this this story kind of I find it funny that this is our bonus episode because I feel like this could have absolutely, you know, fit into our next season which I don't think we've actually mentioned what the theme of that is yet. I've said it once in, <gasps> have in you? the in the bonus when I think the breaker broke on your oh yes when yeah when the kandarian demons had hold of my house we're soft launching our season yes yes (laughs) it's a rollout oh my god i'm calling it a rollout (laughs) i need to get them for the rollout i don't think you know what that means oh my god okay let's do an entire show about schitt's creek i think that would be incredible that should be a musical and i stand by it i absolutely agree with you will it musical oh my god will it musical ah so uh, but like having these to kind of be the narrators of this story is really wonderful because it's a good it's a good breath of fresh air coming from the the film where Katie is our narrator right 
I mean, obviously we understand that this is Katie's story and, or it, and that she is the one that we follow through this thing. But I think that it's really cool to see it from the perspective of the two people, the two first friends that she makes in this thing who are truly kind of the, the people outside of the story. And I think in order to be a good narrator, you should be removed from the story because Katie is, you know, she's giving us a particular bias, which I get, you know, seeing into girl world and doing all that stuff and comparing it to like the the Serengeti and like all of that stuff is a great storytelling device but I really appreciated the the fact that we had these two people going all right here I'm gonna tell you a really wild story you better buckle up kids <laughs> I think the funny thing about Mean Girls as a whole whether whatever iteration you're watching everyone at their core kind of feels like an outcast in this show Mm -hmm. like they're feeling like they're on the outs or they're about to be on the outs if they say the wrong thing or act a fool they'll be cast out of their clique or they will be the social pariah so it's really interesting to me that that is sort of the dynamic of this but i think that's how high school feels Mm -hmm. i've said it before that i i think everyone to some degree feels like the underdog or feels like they're they're the one um being pushed down Mm -hmm. uh from something and i think this this particular show in how they tell it in any iteration really highlights that regina i'm sorry this had to happen it's fine for you new hair new skirt it's Someone gets hurt So you, in your specific high school career... Yes. How do you think this depiction of girls is from your vantage point? Ooh. Especially from this source era. Like, was it an animal kingdom? Or was it a calculated and curated image upkeep situation? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think it it tended to be more on the kind of calculated persona side of things because of the fact that it was a Catholic school. So like everybody had a very it was very rigid, very reg- regimented. It was it was just everything had to be a certain way. Your uniform had to look a certain way. You couldn't like the the girls in in the high school like uh, levels of school would try to get away with things like just wearing the the monogram or the the sweatshirt that had the school logo on it with our you know the blue like pleated skirt but you had to have a collar shirt underneath this thing and if you didn't you got you know you got written up for it and so it was very everybody had to look a certain way because then that way their idea was if if everybody looks the same you'll focus on your schoolwork you won't worry about like what people are wearing like it won't it won't it was literally the embodiment of well you won't distract the boys with your bare shoulders if you don't have any what mediocre white man came up with this? I don't know, but I'm here to tell you it was about the. I mean, 
uh, I would, I could pontificate about this experience for a long time. I won't, but I will just say, I don't think it is helpful to tell people here are the six things that you can wear for the entirety of your high school career, because then all you do in college is you wear sweatpants to to literally every class because you don't want to wear regular clothes. Hi, I'm pointing at myself because that's all I did for four years of college. I dressed or, like a homeless person. Or I would say maybe even people would go the opposite way. They want to wear like the sluttiest. The most, yes, you know exactly. Show yeah. every bit of skin. So I think yeah. in that regard, it was it was more like a, a I need to look a certain way. But then on you know the other side of this coin, there were elements of animalistic natures because you know we're teaching celibacy, right? We're not talk. We're talking about abstinence. We're talking about we're not letting people go. Hi, your body's going to go through these changes. You're going to feel these feelings, and here are the ways that you can be safe about things. Sex ed is not something that happens in a Catholic high school. So for for that to be completely like shut down led to a lot of kind of not they weren't dangerous by any means, but it was like there was no safe environment to be able to ask a question like what happens if I feel like I want to kiss a girl or kiss a boy or like, you know, like, oh my God, God forbid you talk about masturbation or you talk about like anything sexual. Every single teacher would go white in the face because nobody was equipped to talk about that because we had nothing like that. So that I feel like I got robbed of that sort of experience, which is probably why the reason it's the reason why I have such a bad relationship with sex at 34 is because I had to learn about it in college from somebody that I didn't even know. Like it was literally the, you know, the RA on my floor who gave a talk to all of the girls and freshman year. That's like, all right, don't have boys in your dorm past 11 PM. And if you do, don't let me hear them leave. And I'm like, hmm. you'll get chlamydia and die. Yes. Literally we, my RA was coach Carr. That is, that is that's who that was. So oh my God. phone counting followers and likes and ignoring your friends she's leaving just like my dad stop 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 we can't stop 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 we can't stop 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 you really got us Actually, great segue because how do you feel that is for Katie then in the situation. Cause it's super, I would say comparative yeah. in a way. So suddenly being given the keys to the kingdom, like giving into that feeling, would you feel like it's letting go? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling scared? Are you feeling power? Like what describe that? If that were you in that moment of high school, like oh, how man. would that be? You know, to be honest with you, I think it would be a melting pot of all of those things because you are coming from this this arena of not knowing anything. Like Katie talks about this story of this boy that she liked when she was 10 years old who literally ran away from her because he was a 10-year-old boy and didn't know what things were. So naturally he ran away. But I feel like if it were me... 
and I was dropped into a situation where I've never had like real girlfriends. I've never, I mean, friends of any nature. I don't really know. I mean, I know what's going on with my body because my mom's a biologist. And so she would have told me like certain things. And I'm sure her parents were not the type to shy away from like the sex talk or whatever. Cause she was around animals. Like, I mean, how oh, yeah. primal can you get watching, you know, anything fuck in the wilderness? Like that's just, that is what it is. So I feel like clinically she knew what was going on. She knew stuff about herself, which is what I would feel. But then being dropped into this thing where girls do nothing but talk badly about themselves in order to make themselves feel lesser around their friends or around their peers and not knowing how to really talk to somebody that you like without sounding like an alien or, you know, truly being able to say, I like math and not being made, you know, not feeling bad because people make fun of you for that. It's really hard to do that because unfortunately humans are creatures where we want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be, you know, given the opportunity to feel community. And so naturally Katie is going to meld into the things that seem popular because that's just survival of the fittest. That is absolutely something that she would have learned watching everything in the wild. So I think part of it would be survival, but the other part of it would be as soon as you get that moment of power where she wears that dress and she's like, oh my God, this is what it feels like to embrace my own sexuality and not just dress like a tomboy because that's what it, it feels comfortable. You run away with that power because it feels good. But then you get to this moment where you puke on the guy that you really like or you run out and you see the friends that you've just lied to about not being able to go see a thing with them. And that moment where your heart drops into your butt and you're like, I have to face this right now and I don't want to. It It is one of the most heartbreaking feelings in the world is knowing that you lied to somebody that was your friend and now you have to, you are faced with that and you have to deal with it and you can't just run away from it. I feel like I would be terribly overwhelmed, but like, you know, as we learn, Katie relies on those connections that she made with Janice and with uh, Damien. And those are the things that kind of bring her back because those two were unafraid to look at her and go, you're being a dick and I'm not going to be friends with you. If you're just going to pretend like we're friends. Cause I don't need that. I try so hard. Is that what's wrong? It's like, all I do is plan for joy. I don't get to feel I'm whoever you want. Is that my own? the whole time they are who they are and they know who they are and uh katie is really trying to find herself in all of this yeah. too and that's what's that's what's almost scary and it's it's funny you talk about the the like skimpy dress moment because i think that's maybe super relatable i think everyone has that moment yeah. when they put on something that makes them feel fire mm -hmm. or they put it on and they become super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that tells you a lot about 
who you are and maybe, you know, what you're wanting out of life or who you want to be. So I think, I think there's a lot more in there, you know, to explore, but it's just really interesting to me. I had that thought when you were saying that and I went, Oh, Mm. I like, I I remember trying on different stuff and, you know, coming into my gay worldness and you have to (laughs) sort of figure out what is my line? What is my line? Where am I going to draw that line? Because it can be zero to a hundred any Saturday night at a gay bar. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And, but you just have to do what you feels right. And what is right for you. Now let's go into another quick comparison here. How do you feel the plastics compared? Because we all have our thoughts on all of this. So (laughs) let's go down the line. Karen, how did Karen compare from film to stage? Honestly, I think it was equal for me. I really appreciated both portrayals. I I said Karen slays. Like Karen in this whole thing and sexy is like the song. It's so cute. It's so cute. I agree. I think they're very, very equal. How about Gretchen? How do we feel Gretchen compares? I think that the only thing I like more is that there is more story for Gretchen. We get to see more than just her father is the owner of Toaster Strudel. We get to see these layers, so to speak, and how insecure she is and build off of that. That was my one and only like note when she starts, you know, she sings this beautiful kind of pocket moment where she's like, all I want to do is just be there. Like, I want to say yes to people because like, I don't know, you know, I can't remember what the lyrics are, but she's got this really heartbreaking moment where she basically just says, I don't know who I am unless I am with someone else, because then I know what I can do for them. And I just started crying and the phantoms looking at me like, um, are you okay? And I'm like, I just have never felt more more seen in a theater moment in my life. <laughs> there are so many times where I am, I literally don't know who I am unless I'm with some other person. Like, I mean, luckily I'm starting to break out of that, but I mean, like I am the stage manager. I am this, I am the admin. I am the best friend. I am the wife. I am the whatever it is. Like that is who I am once I know who I'm with. And it's like, <sighs> It just hurt a little bit. It was, it was, it was, it was very seen. But uh, yeah, I appreciate, I think, I think the stage version of Gretchen gets a little bit, gets a few more points than I think the film. For yeah, me. I, I actually think I agree. But I mean, you know, again, not dissing one or the other. No, 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 no. Saying what are, what are the Our preference. benefits yeah. and flaws? Yes. So. Whatever, I look cuter. It worked like pretending I needed a tutor. Pretending? Yeah, (laughs) I pretended to be bad at math to get you to talk to me. Why didn't you just talk to me? Because of Regina, because you were her property. Her property? No, shut up, not property. Don't tell me to shut up. You are like a clone of Regina. No, I am more and I am better. And no one likes you more, not anyone, not her. More is always better. Don't look at me that way. What girl would you prefer? I would prefer the girl you were. Not who you're trying to be. You think this works with me. Well, you thought wrong. Looking at this place, I see you trying to erase. 
What is best about yourself just to belong? Well, let's talk about Miss Queen Bee herself. How about Regina? Oh, my God. I I think this is... Mm, I don't know if I could really choose one over the other because the film version of Regina has so much more venom. Like she's very meticulous in how, in her delivery of certain lines of how she plays people. Like there's a very like, you know, the whole party scene. Well, I mean, I can talk to him if you want and going over and like, you know, that, that weird girl, Katie over there, like having this very vindictive moment. And again, we have the luxury of film to be able to pull that scene in really close because it's just like the majesty that is rachel mcadams like me like jesus christ (laughs) date me please rachel date me you can't compare you can't mimic you can't copy no it was a one-off it is it is uh it is michael keaton in beetlejuice there is no copying you can only grow upon yes so i i think we're in that same level here i like how regina's written in this show i think they did the best that they could again i think we're seeing the use of huge stage and you have to be able to fill that up and all these tiny nuanced moments can't be read as well or as venomous or as strong when you're surrounded by what you have on on that huge Broadway stage. So I, I like some of the changes. I like the, the ways that it is, but it's pretty equal for me because I can't, I can't judge it because to me it's apples and oranges. See, that's the thing with you plastics. You think everybody is in love with you when actually everybody hates you. You made me like this. It was your idea for me to pretend to be plastic. Buddy, it's not pretend. You are as plastic as they come. You think your shit don't stink. You think the rest of us are dumb. I hate Regina's guts. But here's what you don't comprehend. At least she has the guts to not pretend to be my friend. Janice. No, it's pink shirt i said i would talk about it in our heathers episode because i brought it up randomly as a last talking point i thought we had to talk about and compare the heathers versus plastics (gasps) entrances which one's better and you must choose one i don't all right well if i think about it too hard i'm just i'm gonna backtrack um honestly i preferred heathers Yeah, and in our Heather's episode, I was like, I got beef with how the plastics are introduced in the stage show, and I prefer how the Heathers are introduced. Uh, Tell me your beef. I want to know the beef. It's not real. It's not good. (laughs) It's not real. (laughs) It's not good. Like, she just pops in on a cafeteria table. Like... Again, it's these tiny moments that we just want to be force-fed down our throat mm-hmm. like a hot dog you make out with one time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... Still have to. <laughs> like, she was carried around quite a bit. So I give it that Regina, like, where she's the first plastic we're introduced to. Mm-hmm. I just needed her to come in in a much more grand way yeah. than it was. I agree. I, I don't know. I don't know how. The entire stage turned pink. There was some smoke <laughs> machine. <laughs> she did, did seem to be floating on a cafeteria table. And I just went, I need more. <laughs> 
I mean, also Regina George kind of demands a little more. Heather Chandler is, I feel like if we're putting the two of them up against each other, they are very similar in character. They're the queen bee. Everyone wants to either be with them or be them. But the way that these three were, the three Heathers were introduced, I don't know. Each one of them got their moment in the sun and they really like, Heather Chandler, when she pops out of that and you're just like, oh, I, I understand who the head bitch in charge is. We all know who Regina George is. I mean, I get the Karen's blonde too, but like we know who she is because she's standing in the hierarchy of these people. I mean, yes, we know Heather Chandler because she's, you know, got the yellow scrunchie or the red scrunchie. Excuse me, not the yellow scrunchie. She's got the red scrunchie. Uh, Steven almost just leapt through that camera and almost killed (laughs) me with a mallet. But you know, I mean, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like, yeah, there could have been, there could have been more to pay homage to who it is that we are talking about. Is there to you? a difference between what I would consider Heather Chandler to be as head bitch versus Regina George as queen bee. Ooh, yeah, those, that nomenclature is different because, you know, uh, an HBIC or a head bitch in charge is one that you, you don't trifle with because you know the power that goes behind that persona. And people, again, are either afraid of how much they want to be with her or they're afraid of her in general. And I feel like with Regina, people aren't really afraid of Regina. They just admire Regina. Yeah. They want to, they, they, I mean, you know, one time she punched me in the face and it was awesome. Like there's no fear that comes with Regina George. Complete and utter admiration versus, oh, she'll do damage. Yeah. She's not afraid to kill somebody if she needs to. Regina's like, "Mm, that sounds like a lot of work, and I don't really want to do that. Unless you force me to and don't make me. Like, that's that's where we're at with Regina. Okay. Like, it just, I don't know. But anyway, Heather's entrance, so much better to my mind. The way it was staged in the UK, uh, very much so. And even in uh, earlier iterations, I know it was done well. And I have to believe that even the other more regional and local iterations are going to most likely copy uh, how that is done. And I I just appreciate it more. I just appreciate it more. That's also saying I really also enjoy the insert song portions that Gretchen and Karen get my name is Karen (laughs) babe oh my god Gretchen is listing off her resume so I know (laughs) Katie time to watch her back Katie time to turn and cough because you took me down but she didn't finish me of Mean Girls the musical. I mean, strong point we we 
uh, mirrored so closely to the original source material. It did such a great job of paying homage to the things that we know. It gave us the Easter eggs that we love. It, it did not skimp on any of those things. Um, it gave moments from the film room to breathe and gave me more opportunities for character development and really kind of connecting more with people like Katie Gretchen. And I mean, even Regina to a degree, because like the, what I find fascinating is that there is a scene in the musical that was cut from the film and it's the scene of Regina and Katie in the bathroom at prom and they have this whole moment where Katie tries to apologize to her and Regina's like, you didn't do anything. Like I got hit by a bus. Like don't make it about you. And they have this really cute moment where they kind of become, you know, like human a little bit more. And in the, and in the, in the musical, we get that. And then Regina goes, love ya and walks out. But I, it was a real genuine, like, I love you. And it wasn't just like the, the surface level kind of, comments that they were giving each other so uh, those were the strongest points I think for me um I mean I feel like the weak points you know we've already talked about like there were some moments that just didn't translate very well that we didn't give enough breadth to because we don't have the luxury of film uh to be able to time jump like we need to mm-hmm. um changing some story points about you know like like I said making you know Regina's mom know about the Calteen bar thing Um, you know, there, yeah, the lack of stakes, I think sometimes was really kind of lackluster. Um, but yeah, yeah, those are, I think, yeah, that's, I'm sorry. That's just, that's exactly where my biggest weak point is. And it's, it's lackluster because I think sometimes because we're on the huge stage that the camp level that they had to deliver on did not lend itself to the petty bitchiness that is sometimes needed in these mean girl moments Mm -hmm. and i think that was my biggest weak point is sometimes i just wanted more venom and that's it it couldn't and would never be able to come across the same way that it does in our og film Mm -mm. but it comes across so well in this new mean girls movie i can't wait to see it it's so good I'm very excited. I'm not going to lie, though. To anyone who has not seen it, or if you have seen it, I would love to know your thoughts on it. So please hit us up pod, uh, from the top underscore podcast and our Instagram podcast from the top of gmail.com. I want to know your thoughts on this because it is I, it's polarizing. People are loving and hating it and all varying degrees. But I had to give myself 10 minutes of mourning and learning this new format that I was going to learn and have to be enveloped in. But I, once I allowed it inside my body, it felt good. Oh baby. Uh, but yeah, strong point of the, the show for me is it's overall ability to stay so true to the book. And, uh, they had the same, uh, person co-writing the script as the person who did legally blonde. Oh, the lovely. Musical. So they were able to do a really, really good job, uh, sort of translating it from film to stage. We're supposed to all be ladies and be nurturing and care. Is that really fair? Boys get to fight, we have to share. Here's the way that that turns out. We always understand how to slap someone down with our underhand. So here's my right finger to how girls should behave. Cause sometimes what's meant to break you makes you brave. So I will not act all innocent, I won't fake apologize. Let's just fight and then make up, not tell these lies. Let's call our damage, even clean the slate till it's like new.
in this show. Now, I think I know your favorite song in this show. Tell me. Uh, I'd Rather Be Me. Obviously. Yeah. I don't even know why I yeah. thought that I could fool you. Nope. <laughs> Couldn't even try. Nope. I just know your obsession level with Janice. And one, that song's a bop. Two, it's kind of an amazing turning point of this entire show. It really is. That deserves everything. Yeah. Uh, deserves the clout that it, it has. Yeah. Um, I am a huge, huge fan of Revenge Party. Uh, who doesn't love Revenge Party? Revenge Party has been the bop in my ears ever since this cast album came out. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, but all of it's good. World Burn is an amazing uh. Uh, aria that Regina gets to sing. Yeah. I'd Rather Be Me is, of course, on my rotations. Uh, Icy Stars is cute. I think I prefer uh, We Can Be 17. Um, um, yes. <laughs> there was a song in this that uh, as the Phantom and I were sitting there, he, like, I looked at him and I said, does this sound like something else to you? And I'm pretty, it was one of the classroom scenes. And I was like, like a light switch, just go click. <laughs> like, it sounded like it was from Book of Mormon. Oh, well. Uh, I'm just going to shout out really quick the sexy song because it deserves yet again another mention. Yes. But I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, let's talk about what songs you would cut from this show. And I am so sorry to Damien, too gay to function were these songs in this show. Ah! They have no place. To my mind, his songs have no place in this show. Fair enough. All right. Where Do I Belong is a little too upbeat for me in the like heaviness that we're trying to create and like, where are you going to sit? Because this is kind of a big deal. Sure. And Where Do You Belong is too like, ha-cha-cha-cha. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And then following it up with Stop in his huge tap number just feels like they needed to insert something. That felt Broadway. <laughs> so let's add a tap number because that's to that reads Broadway. I I forgave a lot with this show, but I find myself just I'm not listening to Damien songs in my free time. I'm not finding myself pulled in by these songs when they're performed on stage. That to me tells me they can probably be cut. However, the way that they did this in the new movie musical. I adore. Oh, so, lovely. Yeah. So it shows me that they were good songs, just not in the way that they were done on we stage. We move into a one-on-one -on -one sudden death round in which each team may choose their opponent. Marymount, who do you select? We pick the girl. We pick the girl, too. Nice to meet you. You're going down, slut. What? No. If we break from this crap, then the answers land in our lap. Just persist, then our limit does not exist. No, the limit does not exist. Our new state champion, the North Shore Mathlete! Oh my god, we like never do this, but Mary, I'd like to ask you maybe to sit down at our table right now. It's my favorite part. Oh 
my God. I love your skirt. Where did you get it? From your mom. You know, you're really pretty. Only because my hair looks sexy pushed back. <laughs> I love that we can just, oh God, it's so good. It's like a drug. <laughs> well, get in, loser, because we're about to do questions for table reads. Yay! <laughs> oh my God, let's go. Tell me. Women. Do women pass the test in this show? I think the answer is yes, because we only have a brief moment where Katie is obsessed with Aaron Samuels and like needs to have his approval and wants to like be with him and do all these things. But like the majority of it is her own story, regardless of who she needs to like be around. So yeah, like, I would about, say it's about friendships and where do I fit in? Yeah. And how, you know, it's, it's her interacting with plastics. It's her interacting with Janice. Yeah. There are entire scenes where boys aren't even mentioned. Yeah. So Yes, I think this is a resounding yes. Even though sometimes it's not great, like maybe women aren't portrayed the greatest in this show, that's part of the arc of the storyline. Yeah, so. And there were great roles for women in this show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh my God, absolutely. Well, then how about race? How is race represented? I mean, in this particular show, I feel like we we did have a lot of people of color. The script doesn't call for anything specifically. So like you could absolutely like make this. I mean, the only thing really that is, I mean, again, from the film is when Katie goes, I'm from, you know, I came from Africa and Karen goes, but you're white. And Gretchen goes, oh my God, Karen, you can't just ask people why they're white. So like, I mean, like... You know, and then of course we got Kevin G. You've got this mix that's really good, um, but could you absolutely like change it? I mean, yeah, you could, because um, I don't think it calls for anything like super yeah, specific. I, I think this show is absolutely cast for talent again, because each character is their own sort of flavor mm -hmm. and anything can be anything. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think any harsh topics of race are covered. I don't think anything is necessarily bad. I mean, I, maybe the original film, it was born in this early 2000s era. So there's probably some no longer PC things said or done I mean, in the film itself. But uh, like the new film uh, absolutely uh, sort of takes out, you know, all of that stuff and sure. um, shows us, how colorful this cast could be. Uh, but then how about representation? I mean, we, you know, of course we have, you know, I guess Damien would be our, I guess, token. Damien's our main representation. Yeah. Again, I think it, who's to say, who's to say yeah. what, what these people love and like and put where. <laughs> I like that. That was good. It speaks to a new generation and I, there's multiple times where it's referenced of just being open yeah. and it's the, it's the forward progression we're looking for. Everyone in the world just needs to catch up. Absolutely. So. Well, silly question. Does this story hold up without the music? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, this particular stage version though, I do think there are times things are added because of the music sure now because this new movie musical literally stripped away half this cast album and only added certain parts and songs mm. i think they had to take a really hard look and say what songs add the most value mm -hmm. so uh, that's that's a completely different conversation but i think it's worth mentioning with this question sure so, ken 
this musical change in era, time, and decade? Hopped two decades, so. Yeah, and I think it did a it did a very good job of being able to incorporate, like, current things to make it a more relatable story while still sticking to the original, like, um, intent, I think, of the script. As long as girls are infighting and judging one another and comparing themselves, I think this show will have some form of validity. Absolutely. They will always be kept until four. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we will also all be personally victimized by Regina George. Amateur or professional scale of one to ten, how hard would this show be to put on? I mean, I feel like I'm probably firmly middle of the road. I'd say like maybe a five, maybe. Yeah. You know, show can go up or down. Yeah. Hard or not. Yeah. I mean, it's the story. mm -hmm. Yeah. That's weird. That's like the easiest. <laughs> right? We just keep like, I don't know what's going on tonight, but it's we're like, like simpatico tonight. It's, it's, it's just because this is so like in our bones. I think we just know. We just know. We, <laughs> we do. We just understand yeah. where this show is yes. and what it can do. 50 years from now, will Mean Girls still be being staged? I hope so. I hope the answer is yes. Oh, this musical. I think so i'm trying to find like it's comparative thing from like way back when Mm -hmm. like what's what's a 60s musical that did something like this that you know and i think there are things like this that stand the test of time and our cult classics that we still reference and go back to like sure things like sweet charity or i don't know yeah some something yeah Absolutely. Like you said, exists. Yeah. I mean, as long as girls are doing infighting and as long as girl world exists, I feel like this will continue to be, you know, to be valid. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Mary, you know, show this to aliens. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. Like, what do you think their favorite part would be? Oh my God. I feel like anytime um, anybody becomes animalistic because they're like, ah, yes, I, I know what that is. I can identify. Wait, you, you're humans playing it. And then I think it would melt their brain a little bit. Cause they're like, I don't understand why this is happening, but I think they would like it because they, they know what it is. Apex predator. They would see who's really in charge. Oh my God. <laughs> She's the apex predator. Oh my God. What a good song.
the musical. Oh, sweetheart. This was just such, like I said at the beginning, this was salve for my soul. This is just the one, I mean, one of the things that we've bonded over, over the course of our friendship, the thing that I still continue to quote to you to this day, which makes me feel good anytime we can do it together. It is a story that I, I'm very grateful that I've seen in a musical format because there are things now that, you know, like I said earlier, have been given more breadth, more time. I feel very seen in a lot of these characters. And it is a story that is still important because girls still exist in the world. They still have to go through high school. They still have to go through what it means to be popular, what it means to be true to yourself, what it means to fall in love for the first time, what it means to stand up for yourself when the whole world is laughing at you like there's so many core fundamental things that it that you take away from this show from the movie from the source material book from this musical and I think that it is an important story that can needs to be continued because I think you know now more than ever girls need support and I think this this musical shows them that they are not alone in what they feel there's almost no words for me with this show just because it like I said, it is so much just a part of my formative teen years and a part of who I've become. Like, I, I will always say Regina George is my spirit animal. Some of my best memories are laughing and watching this show. And I think it's important. I think it has a place for everyone. It shows us uh, at our worst and at our best. And it also shows us at the end none of it matters and mm-hmm. let's just be kind and treat each other well and yeah. high school only lasts four years we have the rest of our lives what a beautiful sentiment and i just i love that this was our bonus for this season and i cannot wait to you know see what the next season has in store for us and although you might identify as regina george as your spirit animal i am thoroughly glad that i get to be your gretchen wieners because (laughs) i just i will i will always i don't know not that i will try to conform myself to be exactly what you need but like i appreciate that i can be the counterpart when you need it and it's very very fun for me and yes my father was in fact the inventor of toaster strudel and i don't think he would be pleased to hear about this I just, I can't. Oh, I love how you're wearing hoop earrings right now, too. So that's pretty great. Yeah, because my parents got me the, this really expensive pair of white gold hoops, and I had to pretend I didn't like them because I'm such a good friend. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. And Ooh, I have a clue for you, Miss Mary. Oh my God, there's a clue. I, I thought that, oh no. Okay, yes, please tell me. I just thought I'd drop in, give you a little clue for what's to come oh. in the next season for your opening show. Oh baby, let's go. Get I oh, Tell me what you know. Who? Stephen will just send you an email. You're kidding me. Are we really? Do I get to guess it right now? No. (laughs) All right. Well, if y'all are as disappointed as I am that I don't get to tell you what I think I know, uh, slide into our DMs on Instagram from the top underscore podcast. And if you would like to talk to us for a conversation that is longer than 1,000 characters, make sure you email us at podcastfromthetop at gmail.com. 
thank you so much for an incredible conversation about a story that is near and dear to my heart because it always makes me think of you. There will never be a day where I do not associate Mean Girls with my bestie who lives in Portland. Uh, in the next couple weeks, of course, we have our mega show notes episode to look forward to. We will be coming out with season and a wrap up. We have a lot of fun games we're going to play. I'm going to test Mary on some oh! uh, past seasonal oh, no! questions, see what she's retained, what she's forgotten, <laughs> uh, and everything else. And just do a nice actual close to our season and then we will soon follow it with a rockin season three episode drop i am all about it and i am just gonna sit here and i am desperately going to try to make fetch happen until next time this has been from the top a wandering unicorn production the only reason why I would ever be sad that I'm not having kids is because I don't get to bust in and go, I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Oh, it makes me want a kid real bad. It's Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge does Mean Girls. Oh, God. Oh, I'm a cool mom. Oh, my God. I want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> oh, I want a hot dog real bad. Oh my and God. I'm going to make out with it. Oh, my God.